Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 8th of February. It's back to business today as Federal Parliament sits for the first time this year with the Government and Prime Minister Scott Morrison under increasing pressure in the lead-up to the election. It comes as the PM yesterday buckled under increasing criticism of the COVID crisis in aged care, calling in the Australian Defence Force as cases continue to spread across the sector that is also being plagued by critical staff shortages. As many as 1,700 Defence Force personnel will be ready to help with assistance already being sent to Queensland. Specialist teams of 50 will head to the four worst affected areas. Shadow Aged Care Minister Claire O'Neill has told the ABC it should never have reached this point. We shouldn't be where we are today and how did we get here? It's nine years of neglect and now we're having to get to this position where we're calling in the Australian Defence Force into aged care in this country. It should never have happened. Meantime, after almost two years, the Prime Minister has also announced our borders will reopen to international tourists and travellers. From the 21st of February, double vaccinated travellers can return, but many experts are warning it will be some time before the struggling tourism industry bounces back. Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry Chief Executive Andrew McKellar says there's a lot of work to be done. We need to do work uh, to rebuild the capacity on the air routes. Uh, We'll need to look at how we attract people back into Australia. But uh, this is the first step. It's a very important step and it's a very welcome uh, move uh, by the federal government. Australia's first shipment of the Novavax COVID vaccine has touched down overnight. Three million doses arrived on a flight from Singapore with another 47 million vaccines on the way. Novavax will be available from the 21st of February. Some major changes to Western Australia's COVID rules as cases begin to increase. Close contacts will now have to isolate for seven days instead of 14, while casual contacts will no longer need to isolate at all. Chief Health Officer Dr Andy Robinson says it's time to brace for even more infections. We are expecting that we will get those rise in coming days and obviously putting these measures in to actually manage them and to do that safely is, um, is part of the thinking. Overseas now and French President Emmanuel Macron is meeting with Vladimir Putin as tensions continue over a possible Russian invasion of Ukraine. There are hopes of a critical breakthrough in the negotiations, but Mr Macron has warned he does not believe in spontaneous miracles. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground to Victoria and there are new concerns this morning over the accuracy of rapid COVID tests after a new outbreak emerged in an aged care home in Melbourne. James Lake in Melbourne says more than 20 residents in the Twin Parks facility have tested positive after earlier swabs came back negative. That's what we are hearing this morning, Tash, regarding the outbreak at the reservoir home. The infections first emerged in two residents. Staff then gave rapid tests to their close contacts, which came back negative. Management say they used two different brands of rapid test, but received conflicting results. Follow-up PCR tests then came back positive for at least 20 residents. Naturally, the family of the residents are now incredibly anxious as 20 lives were lost at the same facility during Victoria's second wave of COVID. 
To New South Wales and Premier Dominic Perrottet has flagged a major shake-up of standard school hours of nine to three with a promise to create bold and brave policy ideas. Our Sydney reporter Sasha Barborgad has more. Yes, that's right, Tash. Premier Dominic Perrottet is voicing his support for modernising the traditional nine to three school day, saying that timetable was set up in a different time of life. An expression of interest process is being developed so schools can apply to be part of the trial, which is set to take place in the second half of the year. The idea was first floated by the state government in last year's budget in a bid to boost productivity and flexibility for families. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at Canstar. Effie, good morning. Now, Federal Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has recently advised us if we want a pay rise, we need to swap jobs, and it seems reshuffling your employment could be a wise move, with some companies offering thousands of dollars in sign-up bonuses. It was great advice just before an election. Um, <laughs> I do feel... I feel sorry for some employers as their employees start, you know, walking away. But what he was alluding to is this great reshuffle rather than a great resignation as we're hearing what's happening overseas. And basically, they they looked at some data and showed that workers who switch jobs typically enjoy a pay rise of between 8 and 10%. Now, in the last three months alone, there was a record number of around 300,000 workers who actually left their job because they were looking for a better job. And look, I looked at some ANZ data as well, and they're expecting this job switching rate to continue going through 2022, and that's going to contribute to stronger wage growth. But of course, this doesn't happen in every industry. We know that software developers and engineers have been big winners here, but if you don't have that skill set, you know, what can you look forward to? Well, I went to Seek and they said they've got two, they've got four jobs here that are experiencing great demand, and some of them, Tasha, are actually offering up to five thousand dollars as sign-up bonuses. So you're looking at truck drivers, warehouse managers, mechanics and aged care nurses. They've seen job ads increase for the second consecutive month. WA enjoyed the largest month-on-month boost. Um, That may have a lot to do with the borders being closed there. And there was also record jobs in Queensland and Tasmania. Now, it will be interesting to see if this great reshuffle continues once international borders open on February 21, because we will see the return of much-needed skilled resources coming into the country. And if you're talking about data, some interesting research over the Christmas New Year period showing many of us didn't spend up big on the credit card. Yeah, so this data just came out yesterday as well, late yesterday, and it just showed that you know, we did reach record levels in November touch. We were spending big and that kind of makes sense because remember that was Black Friday, Cyber Monday. It was crazy back then on sales. But the data shows over the December period, we just didn't hit those highs. Now, that could also be because of surging Omicron cases and confidence down. What was interesting us is the balance is accruing interest. So people who aren't paying off their cards, that was slightly up month on month. Now, the point here is there is a massive 6% difference in interest rate between reward cards and non-reward cards. And there's a difference of $149 in annual fee between these two cards. So my tip here is if you can't afford to pay off your card, make sure you don't have a reward card. Give it a flick and get a low rate card. And it was interesting to note millennials are giving cards a flick anyway. 
some data that just came out this morning by Global Data shows because Buy Now, Pay Later is offered on social media where younger people shop, it's making purchasing of credit easier. So what they do is that they actually buy their purchasing decision at the point of sale rather than going to a bank and getting a credit card. So they've still got the debt, but just in a different way. We're just shuffling that around too. (laughs) (laughs) Effie, enjoy the shuffle. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, unfortunately, there was no Stephen Bradbury moment for our Aussie speed skater at the Games last night. Yeah, good morning, Tash. Brendan Corey was in the quarterfinals of the 1,000-metre sprint. He is a speed skater, as you mentioned. He's coming into the final corner, the final lap, and he crashed out and took two of his rivals with him. Now, we remember Stephen Bradbury did the reverse 20 years ago to win gold when everyone else crashed out, and he managed to uh, to get the gold. But uh, unfortunately for Brendan Corey, his campaign is over. Now we have our fingers crossed that Katie Parker, she's an alpine skier, uh, tests negative on arrival in Beijing today. Her arrival was delayed after catching COVID in the USA late last month. So uh, hopefully she is able to compete. And Brett, the cricket controversy continues. This is an extraordinary twist. An Aussie cricket legend is now calling on Cricket Australia to hire two new coaches to replace Justin Langer. Yeah, Brad Haddon, the former Aussie vice-captain and the wicket-keeper, of course, is a fan of having two coaches because, of course, we have the test team, the one-day team and the T20 team. So there's a lot of demands, a lot of travel. You know, the coach is away from his uh, family and from Australia for a long period of time, whereas, you know, some of the, the players will change teams. Not all players play for uh, in all three formats of the game. Andrew McDonald, Trevor Bayliss are two of the uh, potential replacements that have been mentioned uh, for Justin Langer. Haddon says Cricket Australia Australia should look into appointing more than one coach. I think you could look at splitting the roles. The scrutiny you're under now as a coach or, or as a player is as big as and demanding as it's ever been. So it might be time to, to revisit what that structure looks like. Now, the current wicketkeeper, Alex Carey, is the first player to speak from the playing group and he denies that there was a rift with Langer, especially this summer when they won the Ashes. And to tennis now, Brett, has Nick Kyrgios been snubbed at selection for the Aussie Davis Cup team? Yeah, that was a curious omission when Leighton Hewitt uh, released that squad to face Hungary uh, early next month. Of course, the Special K's teaming up to win the Aussie Open final in the doubles, and we would love to see them pulling on the green and gold, but uh, Kyrgios won't be there. Thanasi Kokonaka spoke last night to Sky News, and he uh, said that Kyrgios opted not to play. He definitely was asked to play. He has a few things on, so he wasn't able to play, but he definitely didn't get snubbed or anything. I saw those I saw those headlines, and he didn't get snubbed at all. Yeah, a few rumblings there about his relationship with Leighton Hewitt, but uh, Kokonaka says that that is strong. The drama never ends in the world of sport. Thanks so much, Brett. Thanks, Tash. And one of Australia's oldest women has shared her secret to a long life while marking her 107th birthday. Doreen Gumbly from Cronulla, south of Sydney, has survived not one but two pandemics, two world wars and the Great Depression. Speaking on Channel 7, Doreen says her trick for getting through life is simple. Breathing. <laughs> Love it. And we're also told her secret is also a cheeky nip of whiskey every night. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.